really, really hard, and they execute the system, and that's what it's all about. Yes, there sir. Trust. He's pretty, big, big trust. trust. Big, big trust. trust. Hey, yes, sir. <laughs> right on cue. Hey, right on cue. Hey, I, let me All right, welcome back to the Jumbo Set. Today is Wednesday, January 31st. My name is Spencer Schultz. I will be joined on screen shortly by Jake Luke as we attempt to dive in to a can of worms inside of another can of worms inside of another can of worms. What a week it has been. With the Ravens falling to the Chiefs, 17-10. to 10. With the Baltimore Orioles, additionally, finally being bought by David Rubenstein and a group. And then today, the news breaking a few hours ago that Mike McDonald, the Ravens' whiz kid defensive coordinator, will be made the youngest head coach in the NFL at 36 years old as the Seattle Seahawks waited patiently for him to finish his season and then swooped in back-to-back -back days of interviews. Seems like today was not much of an interview, but more so of getting Mike McDonald there, signing the papers, things like that. From the sound of it, the Seahawks came to Baltimore to meet with McDonald and then brought him there. And Mike McDonald signs a six-year deal, leaving the Baltimore Ravens. And it sounds like there will be additional fallout. Potentially Zach Orr could be going to Seattle. We also just had here that Jim Harbaugh has stolen a member of the uh, analytics team, Corey Krawich, Krawich, Krawiak, who was the player evaluation and analytics manager with the Ravens. And he has been with the Ravens since 2013. So a good bit of turnover to be expected. I think more to come and a lot of conversations to unpack here. Jake should be hopping on in just a moment. Perfect timing as I queued that up, Jake. I just mentioned Mike McDonald kind of gave it as a headline. Mike McDonald signs with the Seattle Seahawks to become their head football coach for six years on that deal, which I think, I thought was a little alarming at first. Like, oh, wow, they must have had to pry him away. But it does sound like quite a few coaches. I know Canales also got six years there in Carolina and a few others as well. So initial thoughts, Jake. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the um, that was the team, the, the franchise that I had my eyes on all along really with this. I feel like they're probably the most similar to the Ravens as far as the ones that were on the market, uh, not only in the way that they build the team, but the way that the organization is structured, sustained success, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like when they fired Carol, that was kind of the one that the alarm bell started to go off. I think we talked about it privately. I was like, yeah, that's and probably on here, too. I was like, yeah, that's kind of really the one to keep an eye on here. And as the opportunity started to dwindle down a little bit, I started to get my hopes up that they were just still kind of sitting there. And like there was all this stuff out there about oh you know dan quinn they just want to go and get him and kind of try to run all that kind of stuff back i was like sitting there thinking to myself like that doesn't make any sense like mcdonald is just the ideal version of dan quinn and is like 20 years younger than him 
And like, you know, it just didn't, it didn't totally add up to me that he was still sitting there. And then it comes out right before the AFC championship game that they were waiting to interview him. Uh, I, I don't know if they had interviewed him once already over zoom and they had to wait or something like that, whatever the timeline was, but it came out that they were waiting, waiting to interview him again. And that's when I really started to get concerned that, yeah, this was going to be the one. Uh, and then Rappaport uh, came out the other day and saw a hit of his live on uh, TV. I haven't been on social media as much this week, but he said something to the effect of, you know, Mike McDonald is just kind of wowing teams, just blowing them away in these interviews. I think he used the phrase defensive Sean McVay. And that's when I was like, yep, he's gone. And so my reaction is, am I surprised to see him go? No, I think a lot of people were clinging to some false optimism and some fan fiction. And I, I totally get it. I think I was at certain points too. Um, thank you, Kyle. Um, I think I was clinging to that at certain points too, but eventually I just kind of resigned myself to it. Like, you know, these guys have ambitions and this guy is in my unbiased, but also I think correct opinion, one of the best head coaching candidates that I think I can remember in the last couple of years to, uh, to hit the market effectively. So yeah, it sucks to see him go. And like, I've been thinking about it a lot today. And, uh, as I continue to annoyingly talk about, it, I haven't been on Twitter or anything. So I've just been kind of internalizing a lot of these thoughts and, uh, you know, this feels like a miss to me by the Ravens. I feel like, and I haven't talked about this at all. I don't think even with you or Cole or the, the guys the, you know, I, I would have just moved on from John and promoted Mike to head coach. That's where I'm at with it. It's tough. We had this conversation to begin one of many tirades that I feel like I'm going to go on over the next, I don't know, hour that we had this conversation, Jake, about the midway point of the year before the Ravens started to click a little bit when they probably around maybe the, the Browns loss, if I had to guess somewhere around there where, and uh, there's wormholes of this. I said to the show, there's wormholes and wormholes and wormholes, and it's tough. John Harbaugh would be the second head coach ever fired after a conference championship game appearance. The last being Marty Schottenheimer and I think 1989, 1988, pardon me. Uh, the Browns lose to the Denver Broncos, the second consecutive loss in the AFC championship. And the only other time that a coach has left after losing specifically in a championship game was Bud Grant on the Minnesota Vikings in 1983, who retired rather and had four Super Bowl appearances there. And now John Harbaugh becomes the second oldest head coach in the NFL behind Andy Reid, who's four years older. John Harbaugh has had one Super Bowl appearance, and it, it is tough. But the thing that brought us to these conversations, Jake, happened in the AFC Championship game where you just feel like in these moments where the game is slipping away and it ha has happened in the playoffs three times. I don't really recall John during the Chargers game. I also don't really count that Chargers game, rookie quarterback switch, whatever weird. But let's talk about the Titans game, the Bills game, the Chiefs game. And let's also not overlook that they did make it to the AFC Championship. And to make it clear from my perspective, I should have elaborated. I don't even look at this as like a, oh, fire John, you know, AFC championship game. I have my concerns about that game. But overall, I look at this as a very successful year. And I laid out AFC championship. You got to do this if you want to renew your faith in me or vice versa. And he did. And it's totally fine. But the way I look at it, he's 61. I think he's going to be 62 going into the season. Mike McDonald is still in his 30s. Um, I, it would more just be a bet on what I think Mike McDonald is going to be, which is to Ian Rappaport's comparison, a defensive Sean McVay. I just felt like, man, and you know, it, it might be a little bit early on John, but the old Belichick kind of, uh, 
truism of you move on a little bit too early rather than too late. John's ideally got another 10 years in him. Pete was 72. He got ousted at that age. And 10 would, sh 10 would shock me. Yeah. Would exactly. shock yeah. Right. I mean, he might even, you know, who knows what's going to happen. You know, maybe things will, will go sour and they will move on from him. It just feels like that's the absolute ideal scenario is another 10 years out of John. And I have no, I have no complaints about the results and I have no complaints about the way he runs things. I love the guy to death. But this just felt like you had the right guy in house, and yeah, you're you're making a little bit of a gamble, and you're going a little bit early. But I just feel like it's going to be worth it. I think the Seahawks are going to, um, I think the Seahawks are really going to love this guy. I agree. To oversimplify, I made a comment here. Please like and subscribe if you're watching. If you're not watching on YouTube, we'd love to have you switch over to YouTube there as well. But we have this comment here, and and, and this is what it is from Mike here in the comments. He makes that dumb panicked look. He meaning Harbaugh. He look, makes that face on the sideline and the whole team plays like that. And when I think of when the Ravens didn't play like this, when was it? It was in the Ray Lewis years, the Ed Reed years. And hey, maybe that's part of the reason why those guys. But Harbaugh was young, like McDonald is now. He was a young, you know, well-spoken, clean-cut, energetic, you know, kind of a, what's the right word? Fireball. He was pissy. He was salt and vinegar. He was enthusiastic. And he comes from a coaching family. He's a little different. You know, McDonald, a little bit more of an introvert, but it just feels like to oversimplify things, it doesn't have to do with X in his nose. It doesn't have to do with anything more than the fact that he's fucking old and he's fucking tired. He's not this energetic person that I feel like can pick up a team in these moments. And I feel like McDonald is. And McDonald is calm and did adjust well defensively and does get it. And I don't think he gets it. And I hate this notion that defensive coaches are stupid hires because offense is more important than defense. You have to understand football at such a higher level than me, than you, than any of the fucking analytics idiots talking on Twitter with their, you know, algorithms that are going to be so perfect 10 years from now. And they definitely haven't changed a thousand times already. And anytime they speak, they're hundred percent right. And it'll never change. Kyle Shanahan. We've talked about this on this podcast. Kyle Shanahan's defenses are always strong. He always has the right hires. He develops coaches well on that side of the football, brings in the right guys to develop these coaches. And to John Harbaugh's credit, he does too. What is Mike McDonald? He is a product of the Baltimore Ravens. He did coach at Georgia as a graduate assistant for a couple years, ends up getting in the Ravens intern program. But I don't think that's why Mike McDonald became successful. I think he became successful because he's smart, because he's self-intrinsically driven, and because he's obsessed and he loves it. So it does feel like a missed opportunity. You look at New England that was able to kind of keep Gerard Mayo, who probably would have been a very hot name, and have this succession plan. And I love the way you put it, Jake, you know, too early instead of too late. And with what the Ravens do have in Lamar Jackson, having the quarterback is half the battle. And I don't think it would be that hard to get back to the divisional round. And I don't think it'll be that hard to get back to where they are. John has done great things. And speaking of which, who do I think will be the defensive coordinator to replace McDonald? I thought it might be Weaver. I'm now thinking it's going to be Wilson. Wilson has been got a ton of interest. A ton of people around the league apparently thought it was a huge mistake for the Eagles to let him go and go up to Cy instead. And I think Wilson is going to be a really strong defensive coordinator um, and, and that does speak to the credit of Harbaugh, who does develop on the defensive side of the football, players and coaches, nonstop for over 15 years. So you have that faith, but it just, 
as it happens, as it's fresh, as the wound hasn't scabbed yet, it's just John not providing a lift on the sideline and the Ravens kind of being in that same position while we do overlook the Texans game and the fact that they did stomp on the neck of someone they were supposed to and score touchdowns and shut them down offensively, all those things. Ultimately, he's older, Mike McDonald's fresh, and that's why it's a little different than a Rex Ryan or a uh, Chuck Pagano or a um, Marvin Lewis years ago. So this has happened time and time again, but, and, and maybe it's recency bias. I do just think that McDonald is, is a special, special guy. And again, I don't like you. I'm, I'm, I never thought I would really get sick of John Harbaugh. And, and I, I think I am sick as he's getting older, as he's grandpa John a little bit more than he is the John Harbaugh that we think of. And this is very morbid, but I had to bury my childhood dog today. Not my dog Tutu that lives with me, but my mom's that, I, you know, God is my 13th birthday present. He stayed with my mom. I ended up getting another dog, but, um, I, I just think of, you know, it, the simile in my mind is that I have some trouble thinking of puck rest in peace when he was seven and six and five, I have trouble thinking of what John was like at the beginning. And, and in the early years there, I'm, I'm, you know, more enamored with what's more recent. My memory works better on the short term than the long term. And I just, what I do remember of John was a different person. And I think that different person is what the Ravens need right now to get over the hump from where they were with Billick. And maybe it is bias, historical bias, you know, just what I know from following the Ravens all this time. But it feels like we're getting right into that Billick territory. I don't know if the Ravens will have the dog shit year. You know, you never know with injuries. We'll knock on wood about that. You never know. They could be five and 12 from injuries and whatever, but I don't think it'll get quite like that, but Billick was in the category of got rid of him a little earlier than maybe it was kind of controversial. Could have maybe coached more after and ended up going to the TV side of things. They he was also the- really on borrowed time. Like he got brought back literally on conditional status. He had to, he had to kind of grovel to Bashadi a little bit. Well, I'm wrong there. Then you, you know, better than me from the season in between. I thought it was, I thought it was a little bit more controversial, but well, he was still, uh, you're right. He was younger. Like it was, you know, at the time. And so it kind of, it made sense, but yeah, he had kind of, he had really, he was in a similar place where Harbaugh is now today. And so maybe I'm, I'm just saying, I think that sticks out to me because it's about the Ravens. Not sure if my internet connection is getting crappy here. Yeah. It's going a little in and out just so you know, let me try and close. But uh, while you're doing that, we've got Taylor. Uh, thanks for, uh, hanging with us. He says, fellas, first time, long time. Do you feel there's an in-house Harbs replacement now or is the post Harbs guy outside the organization? So that's kind of like where I wanted to go with this a little bit is that like in 2008, when they made this John Harbaugh hire, they were dead, dead lead pipe lock set on Jason Garrett. They were dead set on making him the guy. And sometimes the best move is the one you didn't make. John Harbaugh was no one in 2007 going into 2008. I don't think many people really knew too much about him. I think he was kind of an afterthought uh, candidate interview. Um, I don't know the exact history of that. Maybe I'll get into it someday for something. But, um, you know, he, he kind of wound up being that second choice. He kind of wound up being the bridesmaid. And that wound up being the right hire. And you look within this organization right now, Anthony Weaver strikes me as every bit the leader of men that John Harbaugh, or, you know, he could be every bit the leader of men that John Harbaugh is. He, he's very charismatic in front of the mic. Seems like he has the ear of these uh, these guys in the locker room. He's a former player. He could relate to them very well. That would kind of be that Gerard Mayo type hire, which I do like for New England, by the way. 
So, yeah, I could definitely see Weaver being that guy. Zach Orr, he's he's been in there for a little while. You mentioned him as a uh, defensive coordinator candidate. Maybe you hang on to him for a couple of years. We'll see what happens. Um, and then Wilson as well. He he could be another option. So very good options within this organization. I'm disappointed to lose McDonald for sure because I think he was the best among them. But if it winds up being Anthony Weaver at some point, I would be totally fine with that. I think that would be a very good way to move into a new era while kind of keeping that same sort of uh, vibe within the building, which is what you were hoping to do with McDonald. Obviously, you, you lose the defensive scheme and that kind of stuff, which is difficult. But, you know, it, it, there's still plenty of good candidates in-house and then plenty of candidates Still out there, Bang Johnson staying in Detroit, Bobby Slowick staying in Houston. If you want to go that offensive route, maybe, you know, if you may, if you know, you mentioned having that disaster of a year, who knows? Maybe we'll see what happens. But yeah, not totally expecting it um, next year, but it, it could be. And there's going to be a lot of good candidates out there. So it does suck to lose Mike. I think he's going to kill it in Seattle. But uh, overall, it's not the, you know, it's not the end of the world. I was saying this like, I, I was kind of saying this as a joke on Sunday after the loss. Um, getting a little philosophical, like life just kind of goes on and you, you tend to think of things in the moment uh, that are like this as like apocalyptic and like, you know, world altering and that kind of stuff. And maybe they are in some ways, but like life just kind of goes on, man. And things have a way of working out, especially I mean, what, Mike McDonald was always going to leave yeah. from, the, from the moment he beat the, the Ravens beat the 49ers it, before that it probably felt set, set in stone. And the two things I want to spray out there are number one, McDonald left, went to Michigan, and fucking beat the shit out of Ohio State, which is why I think he's special. And number two, the one thing I will say is that if there's someone who understands how to maintain the good qualities of Harbaugh, it's probably someone that's been on the staff for 10 years, and that's Mike McDonald too. But it was always going to happen. The Ravens never moved this way. I don't the shock is you know what, what really, I don't get. You know where they really got fucked is that Seattle didn't interview him earlier and they just agreed to terms with him and then the Ravens could have hired Minter before Harbaugh went to L.A. I, I mean, Maybe. I, I mean, but I feel like Minter's been with you. Who knows? Who, sure, that, that could have been probably would have gone with Jim either way. But, like, I mean, that's – God damn it. That would have been perfect. It would have. And maybe we end up seeing – a Ben Johnson or a Slowick or one of these other guys next year. I will say my my apocalyptic take is that this will be John Harbaugh's last year mm. in Baltimore. I will say I just and that's what blows my mind about it. I just feel like the writing's on the wall. I think they are going to look back and say maybe a little too soon. Who knows? I mean, Mike McDonald could end up being like a Vrabel you know, medium success playoff I mean, coach. You look at what Seattle has going on right now, like they're not going to have a very high pick. You know, it might be tough to get get themselves a quarterback in there right away. Geno's Geno Smith is fine. Plus, he's going to win you nine, ten games, sure. But like you know, I, I'm not expecting to turn that offense around right away. I think he'll, he'll capitalize on the the good defensive talent they have there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think he will ultimately figure it out though. And yeah, I think you're right. Even if it isn't Harbaugh's last year, what has he got? Another five in him like we said 10 at best his contract's over i believe after 20 i don't know if it's over after next year or the year after one of the two though i think they did that three-year extension in 2022 so that should be 2022 2023 2024 i think he's done after i think his contract's up after this year as well right. so uh comment here with him why I let mcdonald go because the ravens just don't do drastic things and like i said it would be very in the grand scheme of things, and to your point, Jake, we view things as apocalyptic and shot like the shock and the instant value and the Twitter and this and that. Again, the last coach to be fired after a conference championship game appearance was in the 80s. It was Marty Schottenheimer, 
Rest in peace. It's so, 40, 40 years, guys. Like it The is, Ravens aren't going to do that. They aren't going to make a shocking move. I think they should have. I think you think they should have. Yeah. I think that a lot of people see the writing. We are not in charge. We are idiots. And they move slowly. They base everything off of stability. And I'm sure they would have loved. I, I bet they even had a discussion with McDonald. I bet they had a three-year plan with McDonald. I bet they had that conversation. If I will, I'm confident. I would put that minus minus three forty. And they I, said, look, we would love to keep you here, and you're next. Yeah, and I think what ultimately sucks about that stability thing is I think this would have been its own form of stability. Like we mentioned, he's just a little John Harbaugh. Like he's just another John Harbaugh coming off the conveyor belt, but he's got the defensive. Uh, the defensive stuff on tape that, that tells you that he's a uh, a special guy in that regard, and he he can command that locker room, I think, and I think he will in Seattle. So that's really that, that's kind of where, and I totally agree. That's probably where Bashadi's head is at, but that, that that is tough to me because like this just would have been, and that's what I keep saying. Like it's not, it's nothing against John Harbaugh, John. It's not you, it's me. It's just that like this feels like the right time. And again, I just genuinely feel, what is the drop off of someone that's been under Harbaugh for a decade? Yeah. And and sure, a lot of that was as a neophyte, as a someone that was, you know, shoved into a, an office, a little tiny closet somewhere with I think Chris Horton and the gentleman who is now the like VP of football strategy for Washington. But they just move slowly. So that's why I don't get the shock of it. And again, like it does, and I know that people get into the like they did fall short. They do fall short in the playoffs, and there's comments as like, oh. They only won one game out of 2019 and 2023, but it's like, yeah, they only played two and we're in the. Yeah, they skipped the wild card round twice. That might not count as a win, but like, I think we can. It, it like, is. It is a win. It is. And, a what, win. and what's tough about the, what's really tough about it, and I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, I mean, that game on Sunday, like, they didn't deserve to win nearly, but if you get a little lucky with a few of those bad calls, and I'm not going to complain about the refs and say those issue, but if you get a little lucky there, and if you get a little lucky and not have Zay Flowers get a ball punched out and you get a little lucky. Then and you at lucky. least feel better. Everybody yeah. feels better. If you even walk out of that game, let's say they lost that game 24 to 20. You, you'd feel a lot better about it right now, I think. So that's just what sucks about them playing so poorly. Josh Richter, I want to just touch on this. Um, he's saying it's just surprising to set a precedent with EDC. And then with such a sure thing in Mike Mack that the same would happen, it stinks to be honest and call it recency bias, but it definitely feels the wrong way. I just think it's different between front office and coaching. I just feel like with coaching, like coaches are kind of much more, it's like a, the stock market where like you're super hot right now if you're Mike McDonald and you got to strike while the iron is hot. So I like, I feel like with EDC thumbs up, I feel like with uh, coaches take faster blame and fall and vo there's more volatility. It's much more immediate. It's much more forward facing. Like with with the front office, you can have a couple bad drafts in a row, and then maybe you start calling for the GM, but nobody was going to start calling for Eric DaCosta. Like so, I think it. Like I totally get what you guys are saying with that, and I I agree. I, I wish that it worked out that way, but I just feel like it's very different coaching to front office. It is, and again, like I just. It's just tough because it just is like in specifically just a couple. It's like three playoff games. I feel like John didn't bring enough during the game, and it, maybe that matters. Maybe it doesn't. I have no idea. But then there's this, you know, then we get into the narratives of Harbaugh, and then the, the Harbaugh haters get to come back out. They've been silent for a while, and then suddenly it's, oh, it's a whole – John doesn't call play – Guys, John Harbaugh's a defensive coach. He coached DBs. He co coached positions. He knows X's and O's. They churn out defensive coaches left and right. They have three fucking more that are already getting DC interviews. They had four, four defensive coaches on this staff 
that we're getting but either head coach or pretty major defensive coordinator interviews. Denard Wilson is uh, like, I think it's going to be Wilson because he got very serious consideration, is very highly respected around the league, and that should be fine. Like the X's and O's part of it, I think, is going to be fine. I, I, I don't know that there's some big fallout. It's just it feels like they, the Ravens are in a touch of purgatory, and I think people are upset because it was Roman's fault, and then he eventually gets fired, and then now, so who's left is Harbaugh. The, the constant two forces are Lamar Jackson of the grand scheme, the quarterback, and the head coach at this point. So now people are saying, we'll get rid of the coach. Change that now. And it would be unprecedented. It would basically be, be unprecedented in our lifetime as 30-year-olds, not quite Jake, I know, but as you know, in, in our little age group, has not happened in the NFL one time. And the Ravens yeah. are never going to act that way. And we're going to do a full pod talking about like the rebuilding in this offseason and stuff. But I just think it, it is going to be a, a bit of a transition year. Uh, it's time to get Stanley off the books. I mean, you know, that, that performance on Sunday, it's it's nothing to inspire confidence that he's PFF ever- grade yeah. was 78 in pass protection, which was bonkers to me. Yeah, and like that's fine and all, but like I know what I saw. You know, I got you know, you know, I got my model, and it's these two eyes sitting right here in my head, and I was sitting. The 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 pay the pay is too high for the play. Yeah, exactly. And if he wants to come back on lower pay, maybe. But I'd rather just kind of turn the page there, restart the engine. Uh, A couple defensive players. We'll see what happens with Clowney and Van Noy. It would be nice to maybe bring one of them back, but overall, you're probably gonna have to re overhaul there. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a transition cornerback again, a, a, a transition. You had some stop gaps there. It's probably not going to work out stop gap wise the way that you would have hoped. So ultimately it just kind of. Eric Costa has already made some comments too, that they're basically, you know, going to have to be more thrifty in the way they act because of the quarterback contract that they have. Yeah. And I hope that he doesn't There's probably a lot more truth in that statement than anyone will acknowledge. Yeah. And I'd hope they just don't take that too far. Because like they kind of did spend a little bit this year, and we saw the results play out really well. Like, and you know, you're you're not gonna have to go as crazy as you did this year. You're not gonna have to pay Beckham 15 million. In fact, that was probably a bad investment overall. I, I liked what he brought, but you know, for what he got paid, it probably the wasn't. reason it wasn't good was because of DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that that would have been that, that could have been the uh, the move there. And I feel like they wanted to pay someone that is more of a uh, smiley locker room presence than someone turns on the fire, turns up the heat when he's not getting the football. I think they wanted like the, the let's be friends vibe. Let's all, you know, they, they paid him to be a leader a little bit more than a productive player. And I think Beckham was also like actually on the market for a while. I think Hopkins, it was a trade right for a while. And then he got released and they could have signed him still, but it would have been pretty expensive. So it went really quickly and it felt like the Ravens were in a weird spot because of the Jackson's contract. They signed Beckham first and it felt like Beckham kind of just, sifted out there for a while yeah this is part of it where uh baltimore football history is like the losses are an effing embarrassment to uh to the fans and like that that is it is annoying like you can't come out and do the run pass splits that they did and you can't have lamar looking panicked and i think lamar you know you can blame him if you want i do to an extent but like you gotta you take your cues from the lead guy and i think john probably did have a little bit of that thousand yard stare going on sunday we have mike says they really the the uh was it the Cardinals released DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah, exactly. they had already signed Beckham. And like, there was a ton of speculation about whether Hopkins was going to be a trade guy. And then they released him like well after. So, right. 
So, I mean, I guess to to scale it back, we definitely want to talk about that game. I mean, you and I were on here sitting right where I'm sitting, going crazy, whatever, and it's been days and there's been time. And, you know, you mentioned the run pass splits, things like that. And I, I think that's the, the, these things. Like, we're not going to fucking remember this game the way we remember the Troy Palomalu pick six and the Billy Condiff miss. Like, yes. They didn't get it done. It sucked. It hurts to lose in the game before the Super Bowl. You know, you don't get much better opportunity than that. You you don't. It was a blundered opportunity. I don't know. They they still like. It's just hard because well, I like, like, like I said earlier, if Flowers gets into, I know these are biggest, but if Flowers gets into the end zone there, you know, maybe you have one more productive drive. It's all of a sudden it's seventeen to seventeen, like in the fourth quarter. Like and like it does suck that. If you would have told me that they had scored 17 points and the Ravens would have lost, I said you're I would have said you're fucking crazy. And that that's really what does think about it. But if they had a, a couple plays, maybe that taunting call doesn't go their way, they get in the end zone on that drive. Uh, and I don't know, maybe if fucking what's his uh face, uh Mohammed bin Salman doesn't have that amazing catch at the end to ice the game. It, it's just and these are the margins, really. They're so, so, so thin. And that's why having a Patrick Mahomes and to an extent an Andy Reid, I mean, that, that really could be all you need. So I don't know. I, I'm rambling at this point, but but the, so the three things, three people that I well, t- I'll say two that I like. There's been three things that combined for me from three different people that talk about this game. Chris Long highly recommend go checking out his separately. Greenlight Pod is amazing. They are so good. My favorite content to consume. So good. Nate Tice of the Athletic. I think he's still with the Athletic. Ted Nguyen of the Athletic. Basically, had completely opposing viewpoints in response to this game both guys kind of break down the tape i see both sides so nate tice says i don't really get all the hoopla about the run pass stuff because it was there like it was close it was there but then ted Nguyen looks at it and says it was always going to be kind of close and tough to pull off because the ravens are basically trying to take deep shots scared of the chiefs they didn't go take advantage of running the football, yada, yada, yada. Talked about the power play with Gus Edwards. Talked about what they did on fourth and one with Lamar Jackson. Two explosive runs there on design runs in tight quarters. And it just ends up playing to the strength of the Chiefs. The other thing I saw is I think on Glenn Clark's show, Trey Wingo, I think, joined him and said that, um, what was it? Dick Vermeil used to get in Mike Martz's headset and be like, just hand the ball to Marshall Falk. Like, just give Marshall Falk the ball. Stop quit dicking around. Give Marshall Falk the ball. And I, I agree with that. I don't know if you're muted, Jake. I can't tell if you're talking. No, I'm not. Oh, okay, sorry. But, um, yeah, so it's like, I, it just was never going to work. And that's why. I, but then I go deeper. And to your point, Jake, it's like, it felt like even if the pass interference was called and the Ravens score a touchdown, which who fucking knows? They fumbled the ball in the one several times in the last couple of years in big moments if the you know if Valdez Scanlon it just felt like no matter what they did if they ran the ball better if they ran the ball more if Lamar doesn't throw it to Isaiah likely if the pass interference is called if 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 it just felt like they were never going to win it just felt like the Chiefs were always going to win that game they made plays when they needed to. The Chiefs came into Baltimore. The shit going on with Justin Tucker, I can't even like, that will make me lose my mind. That is the most obscene thing possible. They come into Baltimore, act like dicks. They 
step on the football field. There's a little fight pregame. They Ravens go three and out, and then Chiefs go score a touchdown. And then it was over. Ravens go three and out. The Chiefs score a touchdown, take a lead immediately. Bang, 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 bang. And uh, there was a comment here I did want to touch on. Somebody asked the question when I was watching, you know, you notice going back to the tape, it's like Mike McDonald went and played man against the Chiefs early, which is the number one no-no. You don't play press man against Patrick Mahomes. He's too accurate. He buys too much time. He hurts you with his legs. And he just, on paper, on tape, in reality, torches it. So they score two touchdowns, then switch to a more zone-heavy approach, shut the Chiefs down. It felt like maybe McDonald was like, I'm going to delay playing zone so that we can lose early instead of late. But then the Ravens go down, and then they start panicking. And then they start pushing the ball downfield and not taking what was there. And it's just funny to me now because I feel like Ravens fans and the analysis, it's just like watching the fucking Bills. It's literally just the Bills. And I guess mega culpa, it's jumbo set. We do mega culpa. The one I want to start with is that in my head, the two things, two things I'll start with. Number one, in my head, and, and I didn't really say it on the podcast. Maybe I did. I thought the Ravens are going to run for 200 yards in the Chiefs. I thought Lamar Jackson, I, I, I bet put $200 which is two units for me on Lamar Jackson to run for 80 plus alternate yards. And I thought the Ravens might've been the dragon. I thought the Ravens might be the dragon might've been good enough, might've played well enough, might've, might've, might've. And that was the stupidest thought I could ever have because of course, Patrick Mahomes is the dragon. Of course, Travis Kelsey, who I think I kind of nailed in the sense of he didn't hurt them after the catch. He didn't do a thing after the catch, but the timing and the precision of Mahomes to Kelsey was so good. The Kyle Hamilton touchdown. It's like, what could Kyle Hamilton have done? The ball was fucking perfectly placed away from him. And Kelsey made a very tough catch on fourth down. They roll out and over Stevens, who's in good position, jumping eight foot catch radius. Kelsey snags the ball away. So I just, it's, it's the shock. It's the disappointment. It's the fact that you are one game from the Super Bowl. I think forces these polarizing things, but at the end of the day, it's like, Last year, Tyler Huntley was a starting quarterback against the Bengals, and no one, the the helplessness, the hapless feeling going into that game of uh, the Ravens fans that I see and listeners and things like that, it, it felt so different. And it was improvement, and it did get better. But then the sting of kind of seeing them do the same fucking thing for the third time, they did it against the Bills, they did it against the Titans, where they aren't really running the ball, they're not really in control. They don't have a lead in any of those games. Do they take a lead? And I don't know. And then you go compare it to the two playoff wins they do have against kind of lesser teams that aren't in that, you know, stratosphere of actual Super Bowl contenders, the Titans and these Texans teams. It did kind of start rocky, right? The Titans went, Texans went up, or Titans went up 10 nothing. The Ravens came back and won. And the Texans game, we do overlook, but it was a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach. So the Ravens should have won that game. What happened should have happened for a normal team. So I don't know. Um, I don't know. And I, I just disagree with this too. Like, I just think like we talk about the Ravens shutting the chiefs out in the second half, the comment here, 2022 is our best playoff performance. 11 years. Thanks to Mike Mack. Um, you know, I guess it means 2023. Okay. This is where I'm, I'm getting lost. Like we don't have to mythologize the guy. Like I love him. I exactly. Think. Exactly. He was great. He was great. He was Rex Ryan. It's very easy to say like, you know, everything would be, everything would be fixed. They would win the Super Bowl if they would hire him. I don't even think that would happen. 
right away at least i think he might at, at some point in his career but it's very hard to do i just feel like this was the time to make the switch and i, I mean continue i didn't mean to no you're exactly right i've been rambling long enough about it but it's just you know it just look the, the reason everyone hates it is because it kind of looks the same and it looks the same as what the, happens to the bills at the end of the game it's josh allen having to drop back 100 times in a row and drive down the field and go score a touchdown and the thing i want to talk about too the reason that i'm really upset which i usually don't get into this stuff but in the playoffs it's just a little different i don't know maybe i'm just dumb it's just that there feels like a complete victim mentality on the Ravens' sideline. I think that Lamar Jackson, I think Harbaugh is not helping. He's probably culprit number one. Yeah, Lamar right. Jackson gets so fucking shit. angry and emotional and starts pressing. And we just watch Mahomes do what Brady did and take what's there. Dink, 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 dink. And what did Allen do? What did we say on the preview show, Jake? Yeah. You have to take what's there or you're yeah. not going to win. If you try to press, they will get you. You can't kill them that yeah. way. And that's exactly what the Chiefs do to teams. Um, they just put, it's like Watchmen, the TV show. They just put you in the fucking looking glass and you just lose your mind and you just do crazy things against them. I think back to that 2021 game where they're going forward on every fourth down and they're just doing all this crazy shit and they just pull out all the stops and they barely beat them by the hairs of their chinny chin chin. This team, this Chiefs team is not as good as that one, but just because you have the Mahomes factor doing all the crazy stuff he does with Kelsey, they still just put your mind in a blender and they force you to do crazy, crazy, crazy things. And I think that's part of what we saw. We've got Guru in here. Hello, Guru. Hey, Guru. Sat next to him. That's the game. Oh, that's awesome. Guru said there's something called Destiny. The Monday morning news was already written on Sunday morning. Celebrate what a great season it was and how much we enjoyed it. And that's the thing. There's been so many people waiting for this moment so that it can feel and look just like it did a year ago. But last year didn't look like this year. They did get the one seed. They did have awesome wins. They did win a playoff game. They did make it back to the conference championship game. And at the end of the day, like I do think the Ravens should have made a move from Harbaugh. I do think McDonald is the guy. Although it looks, love you too, Guru, looks uh, much like Rex Ryan, right? It's just Mike McDonald's not a loudmouth. It's the same thing. Young defensive genius goes and gets a job somewhere else. He's like a well-adjusted Rex Ryan too. Like I think this is going to work out in a big way. For a long, it'll work out for a long time. Yeah, Rex. What Rex worked out for a little while, but he was very combustible. Like I think Mike is much more kind of even keel, introverted, balanced personality, hard work. Like go read the Jeff's Rebeck article on him if you're somehow a Seahawks um, fan, whatever. Go really? read so and listen to this. I mean, you know, who sure, sure. And we have, uh, you know, Tyler Shores here. The Ravens beat Brady more than anyone. The Mahomes nice. excuse is going to get tired and not true genuine. The NFL seems to be different then. Yeah. Yeah. It was pre that was pre rookie uh, rookie contracts. So the contracts were different. You can stay competitive for longer quarterbacks. The physicality, the game was different. What does Brady it's always just, talk about? I mean, the, the rules have made it a lower quality product. In and it end. made more sense with Brady. That's kind of what I'm talking about, the chaos factor with Mahomes. Like, Brady, it was just a drop back, dink and dunk offense. Like, it, it was tough to beat, but he could be gotten. I think Mahomes is better. I think Mahomes can play better off schedule. I think it creates chaos. And I don't totally disagree with your point, Tyler, but it's just – I think it's going to be even harder than it was with Brady. I, I, I really, really do. We've only seen one team do it to him, the Bengals. And, you know – Brady does get discounted because he was more of a manager – in a defensive era at first, but what he turned into was such a high talent, high impact, incredible quarterback. And that's how Mahomes started. Someone made the comparison of 
Like Mahomes is more like Dan Marino, but he wins like Brady. Like the talent from the time he first threw a football in the NFL was he's kind of like he's more to me, he's more to me like Elway with the ability to move around, like Elway in like a competent organization that wasn't blowing it. Sure, sure. But you know, the winning is paramount and six straight AFC conference championship games, you know, going for another Super Bowl. And that's what Chris Long talks about in the Greenlight podcast that Patrick Mahomes, basically, and Andy Reid, and throw Kelsey in there too, sure, are ruining legacies. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and Lamar Jackson are fighting for number two, and that's the unfortunate reality. And I think people have trouble accepting that, but in the playoffs, they turn it up a notch. Spagnolo is better. Mahomes is better. Kelsey just passed Jerry Rice. Like, is it breaking Jerry Rice's playoff records? What is going on? They get this Kelsey. You can and, and I'll, I'll keep quoting Chris Long. He says they get twenty percent better in the playoffs. That's as much better as you'll see anyone get. They're better in the playoffs than they are in the regular season. And a lot of teams are ten percent worse than they are in the regular season. The Ravens might be twenty percent worse. Who knows? But yeah. Um, and there's another good point. Reed is the oldest coach in the NFL. We have we're going to see a transition at some point to a different coach. Reed is one of the best offensive minds of all time. Kelsey, very well. This could be. That's, kind of that's almost year. where I am a little more optimistic is Kelsey leaving. Like I think that is going to be a, a significant transition for them. They'll probably find another guy, but it's not going to be the same there. Watch him, watch him end up with Brock Bowers somehow. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, the 49ers. Yeah, the 49ers did feed Christian McCaffrey and and did kind of do those things. But Your offense also runs through him. They don't run through their quarterback, to be fair. Right. And and you're, you, you're, you don't want to go down. I think another part of that exact conversation is that you don't want to go down with – saying we wish we put the ball in Lamar Jackson's hands because that also leads to him getting pissed for a long time. And, you know, it's not like he can't check into a fucking run play, man. Yeah, I mean, and it, like honestly, the times that they did run it, I wasn't like super wow. They had the fourth and one where they had they ran it with him, obviously, and then, you know, a couple of on, on top of that, too, is just I just think that this is what happened. They lost the coin toss. Ravens go three and out. The Chiefs score a touchdown. Uh-oh. Now we know we're going to be chasing them a little bit. Ends up being 14-7. to seven, And I just think they get into the, the sense of we're in a deficit with possessions because the Chiefs are going to start with a plus one in the second half of possessions. So they're going to have to outscore them by a lot. The Ravens are going to have to score three plus touchdowns from that position. And they thought the best way to do that is probably to throw the ball, which takes less time off the clock and will increase the number of possessions achievable. And to your point, Jake, they got close. They got that close to making it a field goal game late in the game, that close. And man, oh man, how many times are we going to have to watch goal line fumble issues CJ Mosley years ago, freaking Tyler Huntley, freaking this, freaking well, it Antonio like Brown. Be, it's, it's like the goal line, all these things. So looks like it might be legislative. It's, it's not an excuse, Tyler Shores. It's the reality of what happened. Did I say it was a good idea? This is what drives me crazy. And these we're not, are the we're, not, we're, not absol- we're not trying to absolve them. We're just- I'm trying to explain what I think happened, not say it was good or bad. 
Yeah, no, you're not trying to absolve them. You're not. I didn't you're say not, they should have done retweets it. Do not job, equal guys. Retweets do not equal endorsements. You're not endorsing it. Retweets don't equal. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. So that has been driving me insane all week. Like I, I made a little video that's on here. You can go check it out. The PI was insane that it was not a non-call. Especially with the way they were calling it the other way. Come on, Sean. Like we we knew. That was unbelievable. I didn't want to, I didn't want to feed into that going to the game. I didn't want to focus on that negative energy. I didn't want to be an excuse maker and I'm still not going to be, but he called a really bad game in favor of the chiefs. Let's just call it like it is. It's totally fine. The tripping thing. Great, I don't know. I feel like I'm tripping over the tripping thing, whatever, but the Kyle, you know, the Kyle Van Noy penalty was bad flowers. I guess he taunted whatever. I hate that fucking penalty just as it exists. So if you want to call it, call it, but it's just stupid. I get that one, and I do feel like it did. It's like my, I want to say the yards didn't. It didn't matter because they got the yards right back, but it just, it just, of course, was going to parlay into something bad somehow, and it did immediately. Right. So, Jiffy saying the next step with Lamar working on managing those emotions. I agree, and like to be fair, he had never been in this spot before. Like we, you know, we talk about the playoff success, like, and it, you know, it didn't look perfect. He did, I don't even think even I don't think he played in a. If I'm not mistaken, please feel free. I'm sure we've got some great people that know crazy Lamar stuff. I don't think he played in a state semi in high school. The biggest game he played at in college was against Deshaun Watson and Clemson. They were severely overmatched. That game is incredible. I think that was 2016. Uh, Louisville Clemson that game was so good go watch that and then this was the biggest stage he's ever been on yeah and what what happened to the Chiefs the first time they made it to the AFC championship game and hey it took longer for the Ravens to get there and again they're better they just are but you know D Ford lines up offsides cost them the game there yeah, and Zay, like Zay was playing in at Boston College this time a year ago. Like, you know, it's, it is a different level. So these guys, you know, you, you can excuse them a little bit for mental lapses. I think they'll be better. The leverage well. is much, much higher. The pressure, the leverage, the situation is much, much stronger. And you do need these. And that we talked about scar tissue. I thought they had enough. Mega culpa, they didn't. They didn't have enough. Now they do have some scar tissue. Zay Flowers now has something that's going to burn in his brain while he runs all year. While he's training, he's going to think about that moment. I'll tell you that much. Right, yeah. And I think, um, I mean, you got some people talking about, like, where it was lost with the coin toss and stuff. I know you're kind of saying that as well. I agree with that to an extent, but also, like, they tied it up. And it was on a pretty crazy freaking play with the escaping the sack and throwing it to Flowers downfield. That should have jump-started their offense. That should have settled But at the same time, it wasn't, it just wasn't structured. It just wasn't a, like. Right, right. if Lamar beats them by doing that for four quarters, it is the greatest performance in the history of football. And that is not something you can expect out of a player. We have Baltimore sports history. What do you think about Lamar as a out quick kill with a thousand cuts quarterback? He kind of was that this year. Made it made tremendous improvements there yeah. this year. I think I wanted a, this Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is incredible in pass pro. Is a great option as a running back. Justice Hill was so good. I've like I said, I've never seen a player step up to the plate as a running back in pass pro mid-year. That is like on that is like being able to hit a curveball, like working into hitting a curveball mid-year. Like it is really tough to mentally and physically get yourself in the same season to be able to step up and do that consistently. I think it's you're eating glass. Justice Hill's a tinier guy as an NFL player, and he was eating glass against his own nature. And what ends up happening? Two sacks in this game because, or a sack, two, two sacks in this game because of Justice Hill. One of the biggest things I think they blew schematically. This is why I'm the, the running the ball, whatever. I'm furious with Todd Munkin over this. 
last week, the Texans brought pressure. Justice Hill was okay, but it clogs the pocket. When the back stays in, there's a linebacker covering the back. That makes two more bodies around the quarterback. It congests things. So in the second half, Justice Hill starts fast to the flat. Get out of there. Get that linebacker out of there. Clear out the space. And they didn't do that again. They didn't. They watched it happen against the Texans. The definition of stupidity came back and did the same thing again. Clogged it up with Justice Hill. They need a back man. And I know everybody hates running backs, but good Lord, bring me a, I don't even want to say the name I'm going to say, but it's bring Derek me. Henry. We all know you're thinking Derek. Henry. I'm thinking Najee Harris. Bring, oh, me, wow. bring me a three down back that knows what they're doing in the past game that you can ask to stay in, that you can ask to run routes. Trey Benson, yes, absolutely. Trey Benson in the draft. I need a three-down running back in Baltimore. Very, very, very much so. And that drove me crazy. The Ravens need, we've been talking about it for years. Roman, I think Roman, a whole other conversation. People saying, you don't know shit about coaches because you like Greg Rowe, whatever. Greg Roman's flaw was that the backs were basically a wasted human in the past game. They were never confident. It was never quick. Mark Ingram did some nice things. You're one because he was a vet that knew what to do, but younger backs couldn't get them there. So bring me a back. Bring me a real three down. Bring me a young Josh Jacobs. Bring me a real running back. And I think that helps take pressure off of Lamar as he transitions. The Ravens, I think, need a back in an offensive line. Ronnie Stanley, you mentioned, he can't play for that, that cap number. They need to approach him. He needs to take less money or see if he can get more money elsewhere. And I I mean, all right, let's no, not like Dalvin cook who just got here three weeks ago. Yeah. Let's go ask Dalvin cook to pick up and pass bro who just signed three weeks ago and he'll know everything and get it smooth. Um, So they, they signed Dalvin cook because they like him more than Melvin Gordon. That was what it was. And Melvin Gordon never touched the field. So um. I don't know. JK, it was JK Dobbins. He could do those things. He did whiff and pass pro against the Bills with DJ Fluker and prevent a touchdown from happening and all that stuff. Saquon, I mean, I feel like he's going to cause a lot, whatever. We'll get into all that kind of stuff, but it's just that drove me crazy in this game. The paper cuts were there. The scrambling was there. I, I, and I really like that's what I don't, the, the run stuff is, I think there's shades of gray on running the football specifically. I just don't understand the the kill shot thing, man. And, and I think it is the pressure. Josh Allen just did it last week. We talk about it. You go for the kill shot. The Chiefs will not let you. Joe Burrow is the only one that's done that. And the Chiefs play. That was Mahomes' worst game in the playoffs by far. They also got a game. little unlucky. I think they had like the fumble or whatever. Maybe I'm right. Yeah. Right. Right. And so it did. You know, the the football gods were on the Bengals side that day. But man, just the scrambling can work as the run game, get the back out of there, clear out the space. That happened at times, but instead it was, you know, pushing the ball downfield. And then part of it is, you know, Rita tweeted about it and said it's it's a shame that they've made him like almost spiteful of his own talents. And I'm like, he, I was like, that's so stupid. I don't think this stuff matters. I think it's just, you're trying to make plays. But then I thought back to, the white sleeves against the bills or against, excuse me, against the, the bills after the 49ers game, the 49ers Bay area radio host makes the, you know, racially over, racial overtones that Lamar Jackson's good. Cause he has dark skin and runs the ball. Well, 
And so Lamar wears white sleeves. And I was like, man, he definitely hears all this stuff. All these things for the game. He listens to all this shit. Like you can tell they're not bad for a running back. Like going all the way back to that, going into the playoffs this year, he, he openly acknowledged, yeah, I need to be better in these things. Like he listens to this stuff for sure. It's hard and it's a lot. And he is a superhero because he's overcome so much of it. And at the same time, it's like why all this, this drama makes me laugh that comes with a result of a loss. I get it. They were close, but like, according to a lot of people, they were never supposed to come close to this a year ago. Five years ago. That's where all this apocalyptic, they missed their window stuff thing. It, it just kind of like, that's why I'm not on Twitter right now. It, like this stuff just doesn't mean anything. Like though they could very well be back here next year. They could very well not. They could be well, they could be there the year after that. Like, like, like I've been saying, and maybe it's a little too meta, a little too, you know, overlooking things a little bit too much, but life just kind of goes on and there's going to be a window next year because he's going to be 28 years old. And the year after that, he's going to be 29 years old. And Eric DaCosta is still going to be here. Steve Bishotti is still going to be here. We'll see what happens with John Harbaugh. Like, all this stuff about windows and this and that. Like, I don't know, man. Like, as long as you got Jackson, you got a window. And then maybe they'll find a quarterback after him. I don't know. But, like, it's not the end of the world, guys. It's really not. I know everyone just wants to freak out and lose their minds. And I definitely have a little bit here and there over, uh, over the last few days. But, you know, I think we just got to pull it back a little bit when we start to talk about never going to do this, never going to do that. Peyton Manning was never going to win a Super Bowl to a lot of people in 2005. Then I remember happened? that stuff, man. I remember yeah. being shocked at how bad he was in the playoffs. The Ravens were never going to win a Super Bowl, according to Lamar Woodley, with Joe Flacco. Not in this lifetime. According I mean, to me, I said that. Yeah, yeah. You, my friend Clay. You did so say when that. The Raven, when Joe Flacco threw the pick six his rookie year, I turned to my friend Clay on the couch and said, Joe Flacco will never win a Super Bowl in Baltimore. Yeah. And I was wrong. We're all wrong all the time. And it, and it took four years from there. Like sometimes this shit takes away. Like I said, I think I said this on the uh, the recap. Phil Mickelson didn't win a major championship until he was 35 years old. He's going to end up with six at least in his career. And that is a lot for people that aren't golf fans. Like that, it's one of the best of all time. So this stuff can take time. Maybe it'll never happen. But to say that it would never will is just asinine. Guys. And we watched the shift to a more quarterback pass game balance structure work right you, you don't get out with the bathwater here with this stuff we saw tremendous strides from this offense i think they need to continue to invest in it so some of the eric stuff about all right well we're gonna have to be a little more creative sure but like don't don't allow that to keep you from making it they still need a back they still they need a more athletic offensive line and they still to me i mean I don't know. Who knows what Rashad Bateman can do next year? It simply has not worked for one reason or another. Driven me crazy. That's gone crazy on Twitter this week. Don't need to spend time on that. But they need a bigger, more physical presence on the perimeter. And that's why it kind of stinks about DeAndre Hopkins. I think a little tiny bit. Someone of that caliber and stylistically that can make those physical plays above the rim and create late separation with physicality and nuance. I think is is paramount as well. So AJ Brown really does hate Jalen Hurts then. Right. Make that right. move. Call it uh, a lot of JK Dobbins stuff. I don't know. Uh, Dobbins, I would expect to get around the the vet minimum. I don't uh, think he will. Yeah, I don't think he wants to come back. I think some people have commented that too. I agree with those guys. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't think he's back either. I would I would wager no, and he's not gonna get much money anywhere. He's gonna have to go prove himself to stay healthy. And that the Achilles and the ACL. Is a, is a lot to overcome. Hope he does, but that's that's tough. And uh, yeah, Chad's Chad's point here. It's going to be sweeter when it does. 
Sure. That is why the reason that the Ravens winning the Super Bowl, which, hey, maybe they never do. Maybe they do again. The Lions didn't do it for having gone to this far in 30 years, let alone win their division. But the reason that was so sweet, the reason we all talk about it and always will, was because the year before, Billy Cundiff missed a kick. And right before that, Lee Evans got a ball punched out. And that made it that much sweeter. So that was lows, the same year, actually. Funny. Huh? That was the same game, actually. It happened within a play of each other. Yeah, so. I meant play, play, play. One the game play before. before, it was a play before, right? It was Lee Evans directly. Yeah, and it was the, it was, I think that was third down. Yeah. We went with it. Sterling Moore. When the ball's in the air, it's they win. When the field goal is getting set up, it's overtime. And then it's nothing. And then Ray Lewis might be retiring. Ed Reed might never win a Super Bowl, let alone in Baltimore. But then they did. So Anquan Bolden drops a pass in Pittsburgh. Like this stuff, you know. It happens. It's tough. Say it's flowers. Tough. And, yeah, and then two flowers years later, Anquan Bolden is, is you know turns into the best receiver of all time in the postseason. I mean, you know, this stuff. It, it just, it, you know, I I know guys. I know it sucks right now. I, I feel feel really shitty about this uh, this situation, just like you guys do. But just never say never. That's my overall point with this stuff. Definitely. And to Deuce ten forty two always with us here. They don't have a ball winner. Definitely not. And that's why the strip sack drove me crazy. Mike Evans. If the Bucs let him go, I think they're the dumbest team ever. Mike you don't Evans. let a first ballot Hall of Famer ever. If you have a lifelong first ballot Hall of Famer, keep them where they are no matter what tamper. the cost Just is. tamper with him. I don't care. Just tamper with him. Exactly. Yeah. Come on. Let's tamper. Illegally let's, tamper. Let's rub our hands together. Uh, but they don't. And, and that's why it felt like the weak safety kind of rolls down. All of the routes were deep. The Ravens, it's a long developing play. Lamar Jackson hitched four times on that strip sack. He moved up once. He moved up a second time. He moved up a third time. Then on the fourth one, he starts to throw. And it just felt like he didn't know where, number one, he didn't know where Bateman was going to be. And number two, he didn't trust that if he put it up for him, it would be safe, right? So he waited too long. Ronnie Stanley does get beat. You know, it was not a great rep for Ronnie Stanley. Had to wait a long time. I didn't like the play call. And that's why Nate, I talk about Nate Tice. He says that one specifically. He's like, it was there though. And those are the margins of the playoff games. It was there. There was enough time to get it out, but the ball didn't come out because maybe Jackson doesn't know who's going to be there. I don't know. What do you want us to do, Tyler? Yeah. What the fuck is the answer? Tyler, just bitch nonstop until it happens. Yeah, we can't we can't do anything. We can't fire John Harbaugh. We would have for the fucking record here, by the way. Let's not let's not confuse that. We, I said we it today. Would. I would rather have Mike McDonald. I would pull the trigger before the Seahawks signed him. I would rather have Mike McDonald. If it was sure. me calling shots based on the information I know, which is one percent, which is one percent of the ten percent of the tip of the iceberg. But yeah, Tyler, what did we say all year? If not now, when? This was a great yeah. chance. It's not going to be a better so- chance. You're not sure. going to get a better shot than making it to the game before the game. And they didn't. So, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have said they had a great shot going into the 2012. It is, a, and it, you're right. It is a coping mechanism because what yeah. else is there to do? Yeah, I mean, I can't do anything. Everything's yeah. a coping mechanism. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're really getting philosophical with this. I like it a lot. Life goes so, on. I just don't know what you want me to do. What do you want me to do? I, I don't know. I can't cry. Do I cried. I've cried enough. You I have The season ended. Seen. We were laughing on the live stream after. It's we were. I probably. I probably should cry. I think that was. I think that was a real me- a coping as mechanism. Was laughing, not not crying my emotions. That we're 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 too we're toxic men in 2024. I do we disagree do. with this one. Uh, Lamar waited too long on the triple coverage when likely put his hand up. He was open. Lamar pumped to Bateman 
turned his head and then snapped and threw it. He basically turned his head as likely he was like putting his hand up and the ball came right out from that point. So he kind of, this is where I'm making an ass out of you and me. Lamar says after the game, you know, I was going for a, a PI ball, but he threw it so quickly. Once he saw it, I think he just thought it was going to be open, predetermined it and let it rip. And then they tackled Isaiah likely. Like I genuinely think it wouldn't have been a pick if, well, it was always going to be pass interference. He couldn't. Where likely, what happened? Is it likely planted his feet? I can pull the play up if you want. Likely goes to plant, turn, and jump back for the ball and just gets tackled through. And that's pass interference. And I still think the Chiefs would have won, but that was pass interference. Yeah, I agree. And especially with the way that that game was called. If you want to call the game super tightly, if you want to be super involved, Sean Smith, that's okay. But just call it for both sides. That's all I ask. And I don't. Michael necessarily- Malgrave here. What are you, would like your thoughts on this? Why does it feel so much like Lamar against narratives every year, no matter the narrative? Because of, because I'm of the way because he doesn't have an agent. Because of the because of, he doesn't have an agent, and frankly, because of the way that he looks and talks. That is why looks, it's talks, it, plays, and doesn't have an agent. And that's what's they that is always, what you know, there's no, there's no agent that's feeding the feelers. There's no one that's stoking the fire, keeping it under control there for the, the talking heads and doing all that. I think they consider that a waste. And instead it feels like it, it does end up cutting out the middleman that maybe eases some of that tension. But then at the same time, Josh Allen has all of those things. He doesn't look the way Lamar does and doesn't talk the way that he does. And he is a big white guy. So there's that, but then he's wholesome. He's the golden retriever. He's America's favorite. That's what he is, right? He golfs and he's, you know, relatable and, you know, whatever. And we fucking golf tournaments soaking in the cameras. He's dating Kelly Steinfeld. He's, you know, that's what that is. And, you know, I I don't know. I I don't want to get, but, but, but nonetheless, it's Josh Allen against the same narratives, right? Sure. And I like Josh Allen for the record. I, you know, yeah, I think he's fantastic. Yeah. I don't know. And um, yeah, just overall, like this narrative shit, that's kind of why I want to just, I, I just can't, I don't want to engage with it anymore because it's it's just not fucking fair, man. Like it's just not fucking fair. Like the, all this guy does is win football games. I know he's had some dicey runs in the postseason, but he skipped the wild card round twice to our point. That should count for a win. He's now been to an AFC championship. I know I've said before, play. he is officially now four and four in the playoffs. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, four and four. Exactly. Let's call it. Let's call Let's call a fucking spade a spade here. He has played great. Josh Allen football. has never gotten the one seed. No, he hasn't. And they, yeah. you know, two MVPs now he's going to have. That is unprecedented. Guy's going to the Hall of Fame straight up for, for real ball knowers, people that vote on this stuff. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. So all I was this about to Google. I'm trying to Google it. I know it's what Rogers, Brady, uh, Manning. <sighs> Favre, who are the other two-time, all of the two-time MVP winners and winners are in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and I think Tyler, to follow up on, he said it'd be less frustrating if the head coach didn't come out. What did he say? Sorry, I'm sorry, I've, I was pulling something else up right when you were. Yeah, he said it'd be less frustrating and didn't shrug his shoulders and chalk it. And like I, this is kind of, I totally get it. You're saying you don't blame us. You're just providing perspective. I know I, that's why a lot of people hate Harbaugh because of that, because of the media pressers and the fact that he kind of just keeps it shallow, and yeah. people hate that and they want to see this therapeutic uh cathartic you know blaming himself and I totally, and, hey, maybe that would be good for everyone i but get being annoyed with him. everything just, internal yeah he's just not going to do it he's a praise in public punishment and private kind of guy and that's how good leaders typically operate and i get it's frustrating as a fan it annoys me a little bit sometimes and some of the stuff that some of the antics within the last couple of years i've been public about how it's annoyed me too so i i get where you're coming from with that and and Jawan sanders here with a great point too that it's just easy because it's it's just like 
it's the it's yeah, almost like the, absolutely the algorithm the algorithm so to speak whatever you want to call it it's Stephen a and all those guys go on there every single day and that's going to lead the show just like the dallas cowboys and lebron james and aaron Rodgers are going to lead their show every day until lebron is retired aaron is retired and the cowboys will always and forever be that number one topic because it's just what does numbers on those types of shows here here's here's your homework I think this is a great idea. Ashley Blosser here. I'm going to go back and watch some footage from Peyton in the playoffs. Please go watch them get shut out 44 to nothing by the Jets. Listen to uh listen to season in between the whole fourth episode. It's it, I mean, it, half of it is about the Colts and their, their come up to winning that Super Bowl in 2006. It's on this channel season in between the season in between. It's got, being it's, it's, got own, it's got its own channel too, actually now. So what would the season in between for this one? If the Ravens were to repeat 12 years again, it would be the same thing. If the Ravens won next year, would be 2016 yeah which eight and eight and steve smith's last game in cincinnati wow what a, what a, what an absolute thrill that would be to break that season down they started out three and oh if i remember correctly and and that's the thing like the Peyton manning stuff really it just i feel like it is a re it is a repeat in a way the arguably the most dominant players Peyton manning is arguably the most dominant regular season player ever i would say he is the most do- quarterback play really player. He yeah. was so he was, he was a machine. He was a fucking, he was the MacBook. That's what a uh, BP called him. Bernard Pollard. Yes. Yes. He was an absolute machine. Same thing with Jackson and it gets into the playoffs and they just aren't the same. And Peyton was eventually able to overcome and, and the way that he overcame it still was, it was still sloppy. It was still sloppy. So it was, yeah. They they exactly. had to. I mean, that 2006 season, they they went to running the football and they played good defense, kind of out of nowhere. That wasn't what that regular season was like for them, and they just went to it and they they beat the Patriots. They and transitioned they, uh, to playoff football. They got over, it, yeah. They got over that hump, and then they smoked the Bears in the Super Bowl. So, uh, are the Ravens the Cowboys of the AFC? I guess is the way to put it. They're the closest thing to it. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Steelers, maybe. They've won a Steelers few playoff games. Their the last Cowboys, four. Yeah, Steel, I mean, Steelers are honestly not the worst comparison, but they they have been kind of mediocre lately here. The Ravens are at least good in the regular season, so they're, you know. Yeah, Steelers yeah. Good, the Ravens have been pretty great in the regular season. Right. Um, so, I mean, I just, to look back on everything, you know, Mike McDonald gone. I'm going to say Denard Wilson is the D.C. I'm going to say Anthony Weaver stays on staff. I'm going to say Zach Orr goes to Seattle with Mike McDonald. Uh, apparently, Mike McDonald really wanted him back in Baltimore. And John Harbaugh, another year. I think this, in my opinion, I think this is the last year of John Harbaugh. I think it's his last year under contract. And I think that that could lead to a Slowick or to a Ben Johnson or to who knows. It could lead to dot, dot, dot. I don't think it will be someone internal. I think there will be a comprehensive search. And I don't know. I, I do also think the Ravens have a chance to be really good again, but injuries and the variable questions of the unknown and the uncontrollable are just that. And that is why, to Tyler Shore's point earlier, it is a blundered opportunity because they were healthy enough to get there for sure. They pissed it away. So that's why it burns. That's why it sucks. And it is infuriating, but... At the end of the day, it does make it sweeter. And if you – this is your homework. Go watch Peyton Manning in the playoffs and then just try and think about how sweet it will be when they do it. And if there is a script writer, I mean, hey, every 12 years, right? 
So through 2025. So so you're saying through next year. Yeah, two more seasons. Two more seasons. Contracts also really don't matter with coaches. Like if they want to fire, especially if there's one year left and there's a payout or something, it's much much less substantial. I think Sibashadi can probably afford a payout too. It's not you know. Jack Crick here. I mean, honestly, yeah. (laughs) I saw this floating around. I I mean, that would be you know he's an Annapolis guy, right? I think that would be awesome. I think it would be kind of like a Wade Phillips. Yeah, I mean, you know. Guy, guy just wants to coach football. That's what we know. And if he can't get a head coaching gig, why not come to a great organization, you know, chill chill in the gazebos down in Annapolis a little bit, you know, commute up to work. Not a not a terrible idea, but I, I do think it's going to end up being Denard Wilson. He's yeah, very highly talked of. And um, could, yeah, I mean, yeah. hey, maybe he maybe he's the next coach of the Baltimore Ravens too. Yeah. And again, maybe that, and who knows? Maybe the Ravens aren't as upset as we are because they know what they have internally and know what's next and – you know, maybe they very well could view someone else. They could view Weaver, who also got head coach interviews. They could view Denard Wilson, who just came in here. Yeah, as, and this is a, that's the vertical slice we're looking at it through. We only, we really only see a small amount of the prism here. They have the full picture. So certainly, Baltimore football history living up to its name of an account with the comment here. Belichick started on the Baltimore Colts staff under Ted Marchabroda in 1975. Who's the most? Uh, who's the most talented quarterback that Bill Belichick has ever seen? BJ. Yep, Burke Jones. He really threw people for a loop with that comment, and I love him for it. He did. And Nick Voss here, maybe in year two, Munkin System's better. That's the other thing, right? I mean, Munkin System was good. This, I mean, like, but it was at first you could at first they were forcing growth, right? They were doing the uncomfortable. It felt like and not uh, doing those, putting the training wheels on. But then it does feel like ultimately their death is partially a result of them not putting the training wheels back on in addition to the the muscle that they had grown, right? right? So I feel like the Chiefs are kind of the opposite deal, right? They they struggled mightily and probably tried to foster their own growth, force some receivers into some uncomfortable situations, lose some games, and then they go back to doing what they do. And uh, they know they've got that in the bag. So you've got to remember what you have in the bag. And I don't know, I man. Mean, I will be... I haven't touched on this yet. I will I will be voraciously preying on their downfall. I have nothing against Taylor Swift personally. I have nothing against those fans. Taylor Swift's fine. I think she's good for the sport. Yeah, it's just like the whole, I don't know. It just feels like a haves and a have-not situation. It just feels like the cool kids stuff the nerds into a locker again in this one, and I'm feeling very much like a nerd right now. Sitting in the locker with the, the fucking vents and the lights just filtering in on me, feeling like a loser. And I am praying. I, I don't. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be the next day. But I will be praying on their downfall. And Travis Kelsey and his stupid thirst bucket of a brother, and them going after my sweet boy Justin Tucker, making that into way bigger of a thing than we can did. talk. We can talk about that now. I, I've, I'm I muted all. I muted Tucker. I muted Kelsey. I muted all, a bunch of stuff. I want to start out by saying kickers are not real people. Therefore, they are not something to be running around three days later still talking about. Right. Like that. Like, You're like what proud of bullying the fucking kicker. Yeah. Sick, like, what, dude. What, and like, Justin, if you looked at his comments, like he was very level headed about it. He's like, look, I was just trying to do my normal thing. And like Patrick and Travis, they were taking it a little more seriously. I, you know, whatever. And he was very magnanimous, but magnanimous about it. 
And then Travis Kelsey's coming out and motherfucking him in the media. Like, what are you fucking clowns doing? I am rooting so hard for my guy Shanny and Big Cock Brock to shove it down these guys' throats in two weeks. It might not happen, but I will be there. And if they make the Super Bowl again next year, I will be rooting against them again. I am fucking sick of these two. I fucking hate them. And this I'm is rooting. good, though, right? Isn't this good? That what are we it's talking great. about? It's great for the NFL. It's great to have rivalry. Rivalry. You want, you want the it. rivalry. You want the hatred. The Ravens and Chiefs had a lot of beef. A couple yeah. of years ago, it felt like, and now they don't, and now they do again, right? The, yeah, you, the bills, guys, the bills are the bills are worn out. They guys, the Chiefs just smack the bills over and over and over again. So they they, they stuffed the great state, the great city of Buffalo, and those those fine, hardworking blue collar people in a locker. They did it to us, and they're bragging about bullying a fucking kicker. Shame on you, Kansas City Chiefs. Shame on you, Travis Kelsey. Good luck with your media career. Good luck with Taylor Swift. Your day is coming, and I will be there, and I will be celebrating it. I will make my stand against you. Let's go to KC. Yeah, I'm down. I'd, I'd love to try some some burnt ends. Let's go to KC next year. Yep. If you're listening, let's all go to KC. Let's roll up in that bitch next year. Yeah, I'm in. Go protect Justin down on the field there. Uh, the Van Noy thing was stupid here. That rant I kind of wanted to end with, but I just kind of don't want this episode to end, I feel like. I don't know. It's it's the end. This is the end. You can keep going. Oh, what are you talking about? It's the end. We, you know, we're gonna keep this. But it's like the end of the year, and I'm not quite ready for it. And I don't like. I was so burnt out. Probably Monday and Tuesday, I was just like exhausted from the playoffs and the drinking and all of those things. But I just don't want it to end. I'm not like ready to shift to draft content. Cole and I are gonna be doing draft content. We have a whole podcast we're gonna do. But oh my god, I'm just not ready for it. That's what. That's what it. That's I think what the. Maybe that's what people are so upset about, you know? And I don't know about even just the Ravens alone. I'm just not ready for football to end. It's just a Super Bowl left. That sucks. The Super Bowl kind of sucks because it's such a commercialized thing. There's no red zone on. None of that. There's not other games. There's not oh, another game after. You're going to have a great time. What are you talking about? you got a fun couple weeks coming up here. I mean, that's one thing, but uh, the football is over, and that sucks. And I feel like I, I wasn't ready for it. I feel like this last month drained, drained me. The playoffs have been draining Physically, mentally, emotionally, Cole comes and stays here with his fella. People are here every weekend. I have to clean up after. I got to mop the floors here, do all this stuff. But I'm still not ready for it, Dan. Still not ready for it, Dan. Yeah, you know what? Weather's going to get nicer. Days are going to get a little bit longer. You know, I'm I'm looking forward to that. It's golf season. It's golf season now. Exactly. Yeah, and I, you know, it's going to be. It's going to be nice. It's going to be a nice reprieve. This was been, this was such a long season to your point. These seasons are too long now. I've made that point abundantly clear. It's eight months of this fucking thing just dominating my life, and I love it to death, but like at a certain point, I am just happy to move on from it. And you know what? You did, yeah, you, you, my sweet boy, my sweet prince does get worn down. I do. I you listen. Baseball season. I do. And I'm excited. And listen, great news on the Orioles front, too. We're, we're finally moving on from the, uh, you know, the Logan Roy. Rip Truly off. unbelievable. Yeah. The Kendall Roy ripoff, I should say. Jeez. The thing that I know now that I think is hilarious. So Peter and Georgia, the, what I was told is that the, the Angelos family has a 70 percent stake. John's stake of the Orioles was two percent. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's like if that doesn't paint a picture for you, I don't know. What Peter, does. Peter. Exactly. That literally is. Uh, I'm going to say Kendall Roy in that with uh, and he's still, he still found a way to be the somehow the defining voice of this franchise for the past you know year and just foot in mouth every other time he appeared in front of a microphone. It was amazing. 
It was truly, I mean, I, I can't, ima- I can't imagine how poor Kevin Brown and some of these people feel. I think the Reds are on the come up here, Tyler. That's, that's yeah, what the Reds are pretty, Reds are pretty exciting. Yeah. Kevin Brown, like that, that encourages me that maybe he'll stick around for longer. I thought he was for sure gone. Um, and that's the shitty part, right? Like I wasn't, you know, I didn't really think of him when I was watching games by myself. You know, I like to watch by myself. I actually, I will say this is a poo poo thing to say, but I like to watch baseball on TV more than I like to watch in person a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I like to go to the game for the social experience, but I like to watch football in person better than I like to watch on TV. Like, yeah, I feel like every time game. we go to a game, we just wind up at the bar, just you know, chopping it up. It's kind of it's it's t- baseball is kind of a tough watching person. I think having a strike zone in the stadium is the score, the scoreboard situation for as much as I love Camden, the scoreboard situation is not great either. You got like the score bugs along like the uh, when you're I need, some, ca- I need some cameras in there and stuff or just jumbotrons. I mean, I, they need a yeah, lot better. That's, yeah, they need that exactly because like I do the lose audio, the video, the AV, the visuals, all of it. It needs to be stepped up. That's definitely priority number one, but yeah, exciting on that front. I think you and Eric recorded a podcast. Well, you did record a podcast yesterday. You can check that out on the channel too. Yeah, kind of a live reaction to the the Rubenstein news. I still haven't really got. I don't. We. I won't recall much of what happened in the 49ers Lions game. I have no idea really. I just know they came back and we watched. We watched that together. I, I was very drunk, Jake. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I guess you, you kind of had to quit the podcast halfway through. I I sort of. I was hoping not. You to guys kept going. Thing. You guys kept going, and I was three sheets to the wind. I was like shotgun beers. I broke the freaking table in here. Res, like lightly wrestling. I deliberately didn't want to repeat the divisional round thing. I was like, all right, I'm going to keep myself a little more in order this time around. So that's what I did for that one. But yeah, you, were, you also just weren't that out of this world. So it was probably a little easier because you were able to. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, but I mean, like I'm saying, that's because I didn't get super drunk at the game, which I did with the Texans game. Um, so yeah, True Detective season four still going on. Have I got outstanding? I'm caught up there. So 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 good. Got to catch up on episode three. I saw two. Sunday nights are a weird drop for me right now. I don't know what's going on with that, but enjoying it. Well, there you go. HBO's back. Smells and sounds of baseball, Ashley. The crack of that, things of that nature. So I mean, I feel better. This is what we needed. Yeah, we had to work through this a lot, a lot going on. All of those major events in a three-day span, including Rubenstein taking over, which like takes the stink off of the Ravens, but then also takes the shine away from Rubenstein. I feel like because you're still kind of like, I'll take uh, it. I needed it. I needed something, and it happened at the right time too. I think like you know, I don't know. He's not like he, like I said on the pod last night. Like he's not he's not going to make changes right away. But like next offseason, and it's funny. I, I said, Eric, this is what you were saying all along. The don't expect to move last offseason. Don't expect to move this coming offseason. But once he gets in there, Big Daddy Dave makes some moves in free agency or the trade market. We'll see. And he resigns all the young the hashtag young core. Hopefully, that's all. That's all. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I mean, they they need an ace. A couple things. Coming down the pipe here. The other thing here too is that like I think that Chiefs fans like did not think this was going to happen because of like how they were in the middle of the season and not having a receiver and all that kind of stuff. And just oh my god, they've been insufferable. This oh, they're is. the worst. They're the fucking worst. They made it and they are back in full tilt, full force. And I don't think I don't think they quite cared as much because they have been so good. And I also think like I think they quietly might have had a little bit of like eh. They did. They certainly. They'll never admit it, but they did. Right. Right. Now, why? Why would they? In hindsight, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 
and Tyler, so hopefully the more active this offseason than last missing. Yeah, we will be. So we had I obviously the podcast got uh effectively canceled like around this time last year, and then we took some time off and then uh we joined X52. We were much more Orioles centric trying to get the Raven stuff together. We really didn't even want to do that much Raven stuff at the because the Orioles were doing so well, the Jackson contract stuff was going on. I'm excited to dive into offseason stuff this year. I'm I'm into it. It'll be fun to watch it go down, and, and it's a huge offseason. They have a full slate of draft picks. They, they're they going to have – in my opinion, I mean, out of Humphrey, Marcus Williams, and Ronnie Stanley, somebody's got to take an actual pay cut. Like, I say restructure, and then people are like, oh, well, they can just restructure it if they want to. I'm like, no. I feel like they need to approach Ronnie Stanley and be like, look, we have paid you a shitload of cash. Yeah. Can we cut that number down? Can you – yeah, what – what is your current value on the free market? And if he takes that as fuck you, I'm leaving and going to find out, then it's all right. And if not, then take a little pay cut. I mean, Marcus Williams, I think is still a good player and good, but I want to have maybe a little bit of that conversation with him. And I don't know, man, we love Marlon Humphrey to death, but he's, he's racked up some mileage. He was a very, as physical as a corner as there was in the NFL. And that has where when you're supposed when you're a track athlete like that and you're hitting the way he was and punching and taking on stuff it's it's a little it's a little tough to keep being a twitchy track athlete the way that you're required to be in the NFL as a corner i think it's it's quite tough so a couple conversations to be had there I don't know, man. The Ravens can open up as much money as they want to. They started using more void years. They 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 can open up enough money to do whatever they want. But I just don't think they're going to use free agency to find studs the way they have in the past. And they're going to shift to kind of back to, you know, wanting to draft well. And they fucking have. And that's a, one of the funniest things about this whole five-year period is the, the 2020 draft class and the Eric DaCosta conversations. And I will say, like, the more I learn about football and the NFL, ultimately, always the less I know. I get my mind blown all the time about how stupid I am. The more I see, the less I know. The more exactly. I love to let it go. Ayo. We're getting copyrighted for that now. Now we're getting copyrighted for that. Great. No, we'll stop. We're not. We're not. way too low. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Um, that won't happen anyway. But. Drafting is about developing. Like, coaches are what make picks good, I think. And so we do all this draft analysis and, you know, hey, there are players and it's fun and I do believe in it. But, my God, you have to be able to put guys in the position to succeed. You have to draft players that love football and love working out and love practicing more than they are talented. That is what makes football players good. And I don't know those things. I've gone to Mobile in the Senior Bowl, and I like can get a little. It's like having an eyedropper of a taste of it. But you got to know that the guys love football. Crumb, one single crumb of knowledge. Exactly. So if you don't love it, you're not going to be sustainably good. And it's like that's why I think of the guy Patrick Queen, who we haven't brought up, and I guess we can kind of talk about maybe some of the other free agents stuff like that too. But you are a Seattle Seahawk. I don't think so. I don't think he goes. I think they have Jordan Brooks, and I think that I think I don't think he goes there. I think he goes somewhere else. Okay. I think he goes to Houston or something. Okay. But um, he has to love it. How how can you know that he was looked at as a bust? He was not playing consistently well. 
He was young. He was emotional. But he had to have loved the work because all of the things went wrong and he still came out on the other side because he loved it, right? You have to or else you're not going to sustain being good. That's why we can see guys come into the league and play well and then they disappear, right? They like it. They're good. But to be someone that gets a second contract and wins Super Bowls, you have to fucking love that shit. And I do think that is something that the Ravens have filtered in and out very accurately. I think they got rid of Orlando Brown. I think they got rid of Hayden Hurst. I think they got rid of Hollywood Brown. I think that they're all very talented, and especially Brown and Brown. But I don't know that they loved it enough to support what the contracts that they were asking were. So they got value back for him. And then now you've got Kyle Hamilton. He fucking loves it. Tyler Linderbaum fucking loves it. I think Justin Matabike loves it. I think they're going to keep him. Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers fucking loves this shit. And that is what I think they've done such a good job doing. Picking up players that fucking love this shit. And having a plan in place for them. Making sure that they got more developmentally developmentally appropriate coaches like Keith Williams for receivers that are dialed in on what it takes and have worked with really high level receivers, things like that. So uh, I think that is what has made the Ravens drafts quote unquote. So good is that they got guys that loved it maybe a little bit more. And, and part of that goes back to something that a lot of people talk shit about. They basically draft pretty much this year. Wasn't quite as extreme. There's like, I think the first three drafts for DaCosta, they drafted one player who wasn't a team captain. They are drafting the guys that fucking love it. So I think that's cool. I think that's a good culture. And I think that's what you need to be successful. You have to love putting in the work. And that's what I think they'll be looking for. So that's what I'm going to try and keep my eye out for as we, we kind of get into draft season here. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be interesting to see who fits in with this team. You know, this is going to be the, uh, uh, highest or lowest, depending on how you look at it. Uh, they've drafted in, uh, quite a long time. Um, you know, 2022, they were, they're pretty up there. They wanted up picking twice in the first round that year. And then obviously last year they're at 22 or thereabouts, they get flowers. So, yep, they'll be, they'll be up there a little bit and, you know, maybe they're going to have to get creative. And ultimately I am excited to see what Tacosta does as far as replenishing this roster and uh, the, the different strategies he's going to have to take on uh, with Jackson's contract, the way that it is and developing into the way that it is. But ultimately, man, he has given me no reason to distrust him. I was a little annoyed at the roster construction and some of that stuff coming into this year, but uh, he has renewed my faith in him very much. John Harbaugh, we, we've had the conversation. It's annoying. I think they'll still be competitive under him. Maybe this will be his last year to your point, but I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't expect it to be a uh, a non-competitive year. They're always going to play hard for that guy. I think they love that guy. I think tempers are going to settle down a little bit. Things are going to calm down. We're going to have a full offseason. Guys are going to come back in the offseason. Guys that love it, and they're going to be ready to work. So excited for all that to uh, take place. I, I, you know, You and I obviously love doing this. It was a frustrating way for it to end, but this was my favorite. This year proved that we definitely love it. Yeah. We, yeah. Three we do, we love. Three times a week, baby. Just added it every, every single week. Um, we've, and, yeah. we've, we've crushed it this year. We've had our renewed, renewed hope. And they, I mean, futures, bro, we're thrilled with our progress personally. I think the Ravens, you mentioned some of those guys. They got Kyle Hamilton, Kyle Linderbaum, Zay Flowers looks like a fucking dude. Lamar Jackson's under center. And they've got a couple other really nice players. I think Matt BK comes back and, you know, another fun comment here before maybe we send it off, but Bateman's an interesting conversation. Someone says Bateman don't love it. Someone says he loves fashion. I think we're about to find out. 
contract year for him. I think we're about to find out if he loves it or not because he's had kind of that same Patrick Queen deal, right? The flashes, the inconsistency, picked right around the same pick. So I think we're still going to find out this year. Does Rashad Bateman love it? We certainly love it. And I'm going to wager on the fact that he does. We got crazy saying he's a dog. I think he's a dog too, but I guess we'll find out. And man, hour 30, I feel good. feel like we crushed this year, you and I. Very proud of what you've done, Jake. Very proud of myself. And now we're going to be able to grow a lot more. We did a lot of fun. I did a lot of fun things. Felt like at games this year, going to tailgates, interacting with listeners. And we have a lot more coming up. Orioles season should be a lot of fun. Now Eric gets to start to cook. So if you're an Orioles fan, stay with us. And we're going to cook this year. We got some big, 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 big things hopefully coming with the Orioles. We'll see what happens as a result of some of the transitions and transactions that are going on with the sale, but a lot of fun stuff on the schedule and we're continuing to grow. So we appreciate your support. If you're still with us, please subscribe, throw a like on this bad boy and fuck them up, baby. Let's go. Yep. And Jumbo said it's going to continue uh, uh, once a week, hopefully on Wednesdays, you know, scheduling obviously can get weird sometimes, but just going to aim for when and Wednesdays every single week, that will be your Ravens vertical to uh, keep up with it this season. Like we said, we were doing the three times a week for the preview review type thing, but uh, yeah, it's going to be the once a week on Wednesdays. And then sometimes, you know, maybe we'll go live sometimes. If Jumbo they- said we plan on keeping once a week, once yep. a week, we're going to keep it this day. We committed to that and routine has been great for us. So we're uh, we're talking about some things. Jake, Jakey, and I just also we we do this because we like talking to each other, and it's therapeutic for us too. We want to do some maybe film and movie content a little bit. Maybe do a, a movie a month where we go see a movie. We talked about that. I really want to do that. And then the listeners, you guys can go watch that movie too if you have the chance. We'll try and announce it maybe the prior month what we're going to go watch the next month, and then we can go uh, check that out. Something we plan on doing. And, and I just want to watch more movies in theater because I love it and it's fun. Yeah, I'm right. It's a 52 right. golf tournament. We could, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Zzz. We could get like that's that. sizzling. Like that a lot. Get to get some of the uh the video cameras out. Maybe that would be a lot of fun. Uh, uh yeah. the, the last thing here, Greg Fritt, it was gonna be Kyle Hamilton. God damn, I was gonna say that, yeah, like man, that would have been so much fun. That's I would have been that yeah. one if I had, you know, if I'd beaten this fucking cold yet or not. Um, I, I would have gone there and infected him with it. Um, but yeah, it was gonna be Kyle Hamilton at Jimmy's fight. Sorry that that didn't didn't come to fruition for you guys. Um, Clifton Park, of course. Shout out. Lo- love the park. Love both parks. Love Forest Park as well. Um, just a, a true, just true architectural marvels of the golf world. I'm a big fan. Um, but yeah, overall, yeah, you, you laid it out pretty well there. The the world is kind of our oyster content wise, but this will be your rock for Ravens content every every Wednesday. Like I said, we'll probably go live for the uh, the big moments. We'll probably go live randomly too. Try to get the YouTube numbers pumping a little bit. But uh, overall, yeah, this is just going to keep rolling, and then. Orioles content is going to kick up for you all that are interested. So be sure to tune into that. You can uh, stay tuned in with us at exit 52 podcast across all social media. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I am at Jake Luke. That's L O U Q U E Spencer's at Ravens Four dummies. That is the number four in the middle. You can find Brian at Barstool banks. You got to get him involved in the jumbo set a little bit. I feel like now's a good time. Get a little more time uh, between both parties. Uh, would love that. Greg get Kyle Hamilton on the pod. You can find Taylor at TaylorSmite10. You can find Eric at EDITTI22. We thank you guys for a very fun year. Like I said, my favorite Ravens season in a very long time, even with the ending. It was a bit of a way for it to end, but uh, you know what? We're sad because we wanted more. Yeah, I wouldn't trade it for anything, though. It's, you know, I I love this group of players, love this group of coaches, love Mike McDonald, started to see him go. I have my misgivings about that, but it is what it is. We're just going to keep this thing rocking. So thanks again to you all, and we will talk to you again very soon. See ya.
Arrivederci.